You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Uh, great to have each and every one of you with us. Uh, we're continuing on in our series, We is Greater Than Me. And uh, as we said last time, um, I got a refresher on the uh, the math symbols. So that's that's <laughs> great. We, arrow. Alligator eats. Alligator eats the, yeah, whatever, the bigger uh, thing. Tina David Heiser, uh, local math teacher, yep. part of our church. Yep. I love her. But she still tried to explain oh. this to me, and I was still slightly lost. Okay. But, yeah, uh, but you know what? But it's as far as a graphic is concerned, yeah, it's, it's spot a cool on. Graphic. Spot on. We is greater than me. Um, really discussing about, uh, well, Chris, I guess, instead of me trying to summarize uh, your yep. words, you tell us. So this week, uh, what I was trying to accomplish in our sermon is this idea of this church needing to stick together better. We live in a culture right now that the local uh, church attendance is somewhere around, what, 1.5 times a month. And uh, to me, it's just that doesn't equate to mission and what God's called us to. And so I wanted to talk about improving our stickiness, how to stick together really when the world around us begins to fall apart. And that was really what you look back in Scripture and you see happening, because when Jesus was investing in his disciples, the world was—we we get this idea that the world was this easy place. It was not an easy place. And actually, I don't think it was any different than it is today. We act like this is the worst the world has ever been. In reality, I think it's just always been— a challenge and hey, so we have running water yeah <laughs> thank you yeah i'm very very grateful for that and so what i set out to do in this sermon was to talk about uh how john at the end of his book just started to summarize uh the way this church interacted together I- i'm a fan of looking back at john as he created the summary of what the Last Supper was all about. So I want to take us there in this podcast just to unpack it just a little bit further. I, I like this. It's in John 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 through 5, and it simply says this, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. And, and think about that. John knows this. He's writing this looking backwards. He knew that Jesus knew that this hour had come. You know, we, uh, in, in country music, we would say, if you knew that your death was on the way, what would you do? Would you go skydiving? Would you go Rocky Mountain climbing? You know, just bring it, <laughs> bring it, bring it back to country, right? <laughs> the what would you do? And so this is a good question. Jesus knew this. Right? What would he do? It goes on and it says that he loved his disciples in their ministry on earth and, and he was committed to them to the very end. And it says that at the Last Supper, John's summary is simply saying, and Judas had already betrayed him, but Judas is at that Last Supper. What's it like when Jesus already knows what's coming before him, the death that, that is about to face him, the brutality of the death that he's about to face? And not only that, the betrayer is seated right there with him. That takes a lot of courage to not react or respond. And I think we see some things in Jesus as, as to how you interact with the conflict of that type of a scenario. Uh, Jesus knew, he knew that his betrayer was sitting there. But then what we see is Jesus, uh, Paul acknowledging that Jesus was given the authority 
over everything. So if Jesus is given the authority over everything, he had control of his outcome. He had control of how he was going to react or respond. You know, what we don't see Jesus doing is saying, I'm going to pitch a fit. What we don't see him doing is saying, I'm going to get even. You don't see Jesus saying, guys, let's raid the temple and deal with those pharisaical leaders and let's make a stink. Let's, let's, let's just raise this, this situation, the elevation of this problem. What we do see Jesus do is he stands up from the table and he wraps a towel around him and he washes their feet as to set a model before them of how they should work together going forward by serving each other and others, even Judas, right, being at that meal together. Isn't that crazy? You know, I think historically within the church, um, you know, some church d- traditions have, because of this scenario right here, have elevated foot washing to the level that it's like it's baptism, it's communion, and foot washing seen seen as a specific yet another specific act of the model. Like it's another kind of one of these do this in remembrance of me sort of moments. Um, and so depending on however you want to take that, there is still a strong sense of Jesus does say, I have done this as an example to you that this, that this sort of, this sort of behavior, this mindset, this activity is supposed to go forward and will be at the center and the core of discipleship and of, of building the church moving, moving forward, which is a radical departure, I think, from many of our current kind of formal Christian experiences where it is Jesus takes a power, the role of a servant and, and takes a step down in the power dynamic as opposed to believing that his ultimate goal is to win, like that, that his glory will be shown when he wins. And by winning, we mean in the sense of how men think about winning, not right. eternally. And so it's not just here in this culture. It was in the Jewish culture. They thought their conqueror was going to come through a warrior style um, person. And here he is serving and ministering in a totally different way. I love that picture. And so what I want to do is is move forward in this. I want to set several pictures, and I did this on Sunday. I wanted to set several pictures before our congregation, our faith community, those who would listen and tune in, to, to understand the dynamics of how these guys responded over a series of days and, and times to come. So you have them in the upper room. Uh, they're confused. What in the world are you doing, Jesus? Now Jesus is serving, and you have that whole experience of of saying, oh, you know, you can't do that to me. I'm going to wash your feet, and, and so on. Jesus goes to Garden Gethsemane, ultimately on trial, dies, buried, risen again. You move forward in John, John chapter 19. That Sunday evening, this is right after the resurrection, that Sunday evening his disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Yeah. I think that's accurate. Wouldn't that be our normal human feeling? Like, what are they going to do to us now? They did that to Jesus. Well, how much greater is Jesus than me? Then surely I'm not in any better position. They could be doing that to me. Yeah. And so there's a look. Jesus uh, at the Last Supper, the disciples now hovering in the upper room. If you fast forward to Acts, Jesus, uh, a number of days later then, ascends into heaven. And I love this picture, Joel. You and I were just laughing about it ahead of time before we jumped on this podcast. You have the disciples, and it says this, He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see them as they strained to see him, you know, that's a, this is like, I, I got to watch the space shuttle launch one time, and you're just like, 
for whatever reason, why you stick your neck out like you're going to gain one more millimeter of, of, of view, you do that and you watch up in the, into the heavens to try to see this until you can't see it anymore. This is that picture of what the disciples were doing with Jesus as he ascended. And then out of the blue, two white-robed uh, men suddenly stood before them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? It's a great picture. It'd freak you out. It's like, it's like, hey, 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 look here. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Stop staring into heaven. That's a sermon title right there. Why, why are you staring, staring into heaven? heaven. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's an important thing. And then I just want to end with this. If you look ahead at Acts chapter 2, then we see the believers committed to each other, working together for the common good of the body while still reaching out to their community, but committed. It was still... They were sticky. They stuck together in the hard times. And so really three different looks at what the disciples were doing, and I think they attribute very much to how we respond today. I think we have Christians today that are in the upper room hiding, afraid of what the world might do or what they might think of us, and so we're hiding. There's others that are just waiting for Jesus to come. And don't get me wrong, I'm one of those. I I can't wait for Jesus to come. But we're standing there staring into heaven, not being effective. We're just waiting our time out until Jesus either comes for me or comes for us all. And then you see another picture where they're just simply committed to each other, caring for each other's needs, meeting each other's needs, but also ministering into their community, sticking together. And my preference would be that the American church begins to look like Acts 2 as opposed to Acts 1 or John 20. Yeah, they in that picture that you just painted, there's a choice in each of those, a choice to sit where you are in paralyzed, par- be paralyzed. Another one where you're kind of mesmerized in your moment and you don't want to leave that moment. And then the other one is action and moving out and believing that there's purpose in your mission. And I think so often we all can relate to one, one of those spots. We've been afraid We've been kind of in the moment mesmerized, not really want to leave that, looking for the end. Um, but Christ calls us to action, to live in community. And you you pointed out how they were living in Acts 2. It wasn't just that they were, you know, um, bringing others to Christ. They were sacrificing for each other, caring, being devoted in a way that they lived so much in community that I don't even think we in American culture understand that concept of Acts 2 community. Yeah, well, because it would look like uh, kind of a kingdom-rooted communism that we probably are, you know, are are uncomfortable with the, the radical nature of it, really, of that no one considered their own possessions as their own, but gave up, you know, gave up as, as was needed. People were not, were not without, it was, it was just super, it was connected. People knew needs. They were, they were transparent about needs. They cared for each other. Well, um, so that's powerful in of itself. Other thing I was thinking about just as you were, were mentioning, you know, we forget, uh, the, there would be a Jewish revolt, not quite four decades after, after the time of Christ's earthly ministry, there there would be another earthly man-centered attempt to to overthrow the the oppressive government to do so by force. Whatever this is, where the temple would would ultimately would come down in Jerusalem, um, and and so people have been striving for for different ways to resolve this problem about about the forces of evil or out or outside outside forces for for a very very long time. 
what I'm amazed at is all those other attempts were ultimately subdued by military powers, by, by governmental powers, but not the furthering of the kingdom of God. The, 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 the early church walked right through all of that because they had a different vision in mind. They had a, their vision was not was not going to get hijacked or, or sidetracked by a lot of you know power striving, power grabbing that that sort of that sort of thing. And and don't get me wrong, the Jewish people of the day had every reason to be upset about the foreign influence of the Roman Empire and all of that. I totally understand why, but really we can look to Je- to Jesus as the means by which true change, true revolution. Um, actually happens, and that is because he was after people's hearts, not just a, a spot of land, not just a, a a political theory or a political motivation, and and that has something I think to say to us here today in America, 2022, in the midst of a time where I know, and I'm sure you, we have all had the conversation with multiple people about just a sense of. You know, this country is going to, you know, where in a handbasket and uh, we need to either, like you said, cower in fear, buckle down or take up arms or what or whatever it is in order to in order to respond. And yet um, we see a different model with, with Jesus. We see a different we see a different approach. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to when you say going to somewhere in a, in a handbag. Kentucky? Or oh, yeah. Again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hell, I'm sorry. Okay. I just <laughs> forgot. Hell, the country's going, yeah, hell okay. in a handbasket. I apologize if the euphemism is lost uh, in this uh, in this group. <laughs> Here is, uh, here's what I know. And when you look back in Scripture, when the world began to fall apart around these disciples and around the church, the early church, uh, even as you alluded to, four decades later, even as the, the the world began to fall down around them, what that did and what that should do continue today is push the church together. That's my concern. Right, because people are in need when something, there's always going to be change. There's always going to be turmoil, but there's always going to be people in need. And I think as a church community, Christ's mission was to what? love those around you, minister to those in need, see that. Um, I often think that we um, sit back and we say, somebody else is going to get it. Somebody else is going to take care of that person. Well, in reality, what's become too common in our place today is that Christians are eating Christians alive. Like we've turned the we've turned the mission towards, well, proving other Christians wrong or being upset with them, trying to start our own thing and not dealing with our own conflicts uh, very well, and we've pulled ourselves off mission, and so we can't be together when you're off mission. Yeah, or being accusational of like, if we don't see a certain uh, Christian or Christian leader vehemently from the front speaking out against whatever social issue of the day, then we attribute them to being either complacent or or like pro the pro the other the other side, whoever the other side is, and. And that sort of thinking, that sort of that sort of approach, just this antagonism all over the place, is I just think it's from the pit of hell. Uh, there, I said it again. Twice. That's twice. I don't know. Ding, ding, ding. Um, is this episode going to get flagged? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably put a mature rating on it. Um, but but it's divisive. It's hurting the church. It's hurting the witness of the church. Um, let. Chris, and you've said this again and again, and something that always sticks in my mind, just really keeping the main thing, the main thing, keeping the mission in front of us. Um, and, and not, uh, as, as Paul writes, uh, to the Ephesians, not biting and devouring each other, 
which I think is a man, it's a, that's a gnarly term to use, but boy, do we, we see it. So man, loving each other and, and just going back to grace, loving each other extravagantly, uh, and, and going the extra mile with, with people. Well, I didn't know I was going to go there um, today, but I'm going to share. We just um, opened this study um, in James on our Thursday morning. A lot of people may not know James was actually writing the letter to this dispersed church all across um, that were struggling. Guess what? They were facing trials. They were trying to be different in a world that didn't know what servanthood was. They were trying to be different and yet support each other, be on their own in a way too, um, but to create a, uh, a real understanding of what he wrote was he wrote to them saying, hey, you know, you're going to face trials. I'm here, you know, band together. God's got this. You got this. Love each other well. And I think oftentimes we forget that that's one of his main messages. And then he even goes further and says, you know, control your tongue because that controls your action. And then fourthly, he says, don't fall to the systems of this world. And so I say that is because we said, one, we we eat each other alive because we get caught in all this stuff around here where we're staying on mission. We look to what God calls us, love him, love each other. We've said that so many times. Jesus did a great job modeling before his crucifixion with his disciples. The early church fathers did a great job, as we read in Acts, of modeling for the church going forward how to do these things. And so when I when I look at boiling it all down, I'm a simplistic guy, but I boil it all down to saying that the church should be committed to serving each other, maturing in the faith together, spending time together in relationship and doing ministry in our world together. Again, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. And we have, as we said, even last episode, we have a generation or two that are, that are, that are walking away, you know, that are walking away from kind of a historical Orthodox Christian faith because of any number of reasons, but there, there's a confusion out there. They, you know, you can, all you got to do is just go to the Christian bookstore or whatever, and you can you can grab two books, uh, two books that would you know both claim Jesus but be from radically, uh, radically different vantage points or whatever. And and I understand, I understand various theological traditions and all of that, and where the differences come from, denominations, so on and so forth. But uh, what we are really just trying to advocate for is the centrality of Christ being known to people. And people being equipped and empowered to share Jesus and to make multiplication of discipleship happen to 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 awaken that in people's hearts, um, even in the midst of whatever whatever's being thrown at us. Because here's the deal: I said this earlier, the first century world. I don't think we have the the respect for what a chaotic, uh, what hard, what hard, difficult. Uh, the moral ethical fabric of that of that world, you know, Angie said we're not, you know, we're we're leaving babies, you know, baby girls or deformed children or whatever in out the in, woods. in the woods or on the mountaintop. A lot of people don't know that story. Yeah, but that's how the yeah. Christians ministered yeah. and reached out and yeah. won people to Christ. Yeah, this is this is the kind of world the the that at that time the moral compass by no means was pointing pointing true north. Uh, and and this is where the church made such a major early impact. So, friends, it has been bad before. It will it things have been falling apart at the seams. 
this is this is a cyclical, a linear and a cyclical phenomenon. You know, time goes on, but time and history does repeat itself in so many ways. That's because we're all human beings yep. who have a sinful nature yep. that doesn't change. Yeah, that's the one for sure. One of the consistent things. So awesome, excellent points uh, by far. You know, one of the things I want to I want to bring us back to is this series is called "We Are Greater Than Me." And, and so the question then becomes, what do we do with this? What do we, what is our action? How does that come about? Uh, I'm going to say some things that I think sound on, on the level as self-serving, but if, if we could go back to a previous episode where we talked about concentric circles uh, of, of faith being handed down to next generations to next generations, then I think when we approach this topic today, we have to ask the question, how do we continue to make an impact in these next generations to come? And I think this is where we, as a local body, and even if you're not a part of our, our community of faith here at Walker's Missionary Church and you're a part of another faith community, I think this is in your church too. We need more followers of Jesus, I believe, investing their time, their talents, and their finances. And you've heard that talked about, you've heard that preached about for decades. And the reality is, I'm not sure there's a greater season of time where the church needs to commit, get sticky, stick together. Unfortunately, what I think we've seen is people say, well, I invest my time, or I invest my talent, or I invest my money but uh, one of those three, but I think that the church needs to really get behind this idea that I'm going to invest all three of these things in order to be complete in our mission. We need people saying, here's my time. I'm committed. Let's make a difference in our world for Christ. We need people saying, I have this gift. Uh, I have this ability. I will use it for the kingdom's sake. We need people saying, I'm in, I'm invested in this to make these ministry impacts happen. Uh because I'm concerned. I'm concerned. When I look out on the, on the horizon, I'm 49, I look out on the horizon, I think, what is the church going to look like in 20 years? I'm concerned for it. And I think today is the day of action. Well, we're, uh, we're, we're hopeful and we're, we're optimistic, but we know, again, there are real challenges in front of us. There, there, are, real, there are real struggles. And uh, we just believe, again, when we come together as a community, we can really encourage each other. We can we can uh, spur each other on to to acts of of uh, generosity and hospitality and of giving and of and of caring and loving for each other well. And so uh, that would be the big thing. That would be one of the big things that we want to talk about here, continuing as we move forward. Together, we are greater than we are by ourselves, and we can exponentially accomplish more for the sake of the kingdom when we're locked arm in arm together, loving each other well, moving forward to mission. That's the kind of place we want to be. That's what we're trying to do on our team. We're trying to do here in this community, and we really hope that uh, you're part of a community, wherever you are, uh, that is arm in arm with people for the sake of uh, furthering the gospel, of extending God's kingdom uh, to all sorts of places, to all the nooks and crannies of life. Steve Hunsberger always does this. He goes, "Oh, hey, this reminds me of a song." You know, yeah. <laughs> one of our tr- our treasured our I, treasured I, I, elder I, I here. Love, yeah, I love Steve, and uh, I love that about him. But you know, the old hymn came back to me, and the line that just simply says this: "It will be worth it all mm-hmm. when we see Jesus." And you know what? That now is the time for labor, and there is coming a day when our our time for labor is done. And you know what? <laughs> it will be worth it all, in my opinion, for eternity. And uh, this is the time. We got to get busy, work together, accomplish the good.
Amen and amen. One of the um, thoughts that I believe that we sometimes forget, we talk about discipleship a ton. We are all being made into Christ's image. But as I um, even shared with the gals in this uh, whole idea of when we're forming ourselves to be like Christ, we're not doing it for just ourselves. And Christ isn't just putting us up on a shelf with a trophy case saying, oh, look at this disciple here. We're actually doing it for the sake of others, for the people around us, the people that are impacted because we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the people in our families, the people on our street, the people we work with. That's why we become who Christ wants us to be. It's for the sake of others to lead them to Christ. Amen and amen. Guys, Angie, Chris, good to be with you here again. Uh, Friends, we just want to continue to tune in each week um, as we're... uh, just having these conversations through this series and also uh, our weekly, uh, just the put on the podcast feed, our our sermon content as well. Engage, encourage you to engage in that. Uh, check on our social media feeds as we uh, remind everybody what upcoming episodes are. Uh, but would just love to hear your feedback. Uh, hope these uh, conversations are helpful to you and continue to encourage you uh, as we walk together for, uh, for the sake of the kingdom Uh, growing in greater discipleship with each other. So until next time, friends, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting wakimc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.